realize that without allowing for failure, failure, you're never going to get any innovation. And man, have I got a story for you about a classic failure that turned into a huge success. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. The year was 1968. 3M scientist Dr. Spencer Silver was in his laboratory working diligently experiment after experiment with the goal of coming up with a formula for a new strong adhesive. Now, in that process, he discovered something unusual in one of his failed attempts. It was an adhesive that stuck lightly to surfaces but didn't bond tightly to them. Now, what he discovered was something called microspheres, which retained their stickiness, but with a removable characteristic, allowing attached surfaces to peel apart easily. Now, moreover, this adhesive would retain its weak stickiness and could be reused over and over again. But Silver's job was to find strong glue, not weak glue, because there was no commercial market for weak glue. Now, for years, even as he continued pursuing the goal of discovering strong glue, Dr. Silver never gave up on the idea that that microsphere glue would somehow have a commercial purpose. He just had no ideas that represented any actual commercial use for his invention. Now, to that end, and at every opportunity, Dr. Silver would tout the merits of his weak glue to colleagues. You can probably imagine how this conversation would go at the lunchroom crowd of scientists at 3M. Remember now, 3M is a company that's actually trying to make strong glues. Right? Uh, so he's in there, you know, in the lunchroom saying, oh, come on, you got to you, you got to check out my microspheres. This glue, you know, it doesn't stick to <laughs> it doesn't have a strong bond. That's mm, probably a tough crowd. Uh, and I'm sure he got some good natured banter about his glue. But Dr. Silver was nothing if not persistent, and he knew that somehow, some way, his weak glue could have some commercial value. Fast forward to 1974, six years later. Art Fry, who was another 3M scientist, he had a problem. Now, his problem was not about glue, but personally, he would go every Wednesday and practice with his church choir, and he would keep these little scraps of paper to mark the hymns that they were going to sing in the upcoming service, right? So little slips of paper stuck in different places in the hymn book. By Sunday, he would always find that they would fall out of the hymnal. Maybe he's turning pages. One of the ones that he goes past, it falls out. Now he doesn't have a mark uh, where, where the next hymn is, right? So he was looking for a bookmark that would stick to the paper, but it couldn't damage the pages of the hymnal. So he was kind of thinking back to this seminar that he had attended on Dr. Silver's microspheres, and he had what, what he refers to as an eureka, like, oh my gosh, that, that glue, right? So he partners with Silver, and they start working on a product. And so once they found themselves writing messages on their new notes to communicate around the office, right? So now all of a sudden, they're just 
they're sending notes around to folks and, and they're seeing the reaction of the 3M employees, they realize the full potential of the idea. And Fry is like, well, I thought it was just going to be a bookmark, but this is really a whole new way to communicate. So Fry decides to make the 3M corporate headquarters the test market for the new notes with this microsphere weak glue. Fry supplies the entire company with new adhesive notes, and employees love them. The 3M marketing team decided to put the product directly into consumers' hands. The massive sampling effort was a runaway success. 90% of those who tried the product said they would buy it. Think about that. When, when have you ever heard of a trial getting a 90% like, oh my gosh, where can I buy these type success rate? The notes became an overnight success. According to Dr. Silver, it was always a self-advertising product because customers would put the notes on documents, they'd send it to somebody, and then that recipient's like, whoa, what's this note? Where can I get these notes? They'd look at it, they'd peel it off, they'd play with it, and then they'd immediately go out you know, to their office supply store or wherever and buy some for themselves. Silver went on to say that like many groundbreaking innovations, it was a product nobody thought they needed until they did. Now, in 1980, on April the 6th, Silver and Fry's unsung hero of failed glue on notepaper debuted in U.S. stores as Post-it Notes. Now, think about it. 1968 is when Silver discovers this microsphere glue. Now, we're at 1980, and 3M puts out Post-it Notes. It's now iconic canary yellow color was chosen by happenstance because the lab next door happened to only have scrap yellow paper on hand. Just think about it. Think about the classic yellow post-it note that we all, you know, just iconically use in different sizes. The only reason that yellow is the most prevalent color is because that's just what this lab next door happened to have around and they cut it up and that's what they used to do their testing. Crazy. The product has seen explosive growth across both domestic and international markets. 50 Billion post-it notes are created by 3M every year. There's dozens of note shapes. Now, personally, as somebody who does strategic planning, facilitation, you know, innovation, creativity workshops, I just wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have post-it note flip charts. Just stick them up wherever. There's over 75 different colors. The success of post-it notes is so massive that the post-it note segment of 3N represents over 13% of 3M's total revenue. You want to look it up? Go check it out because it's a big number. Uh, 3M still owns 77% of the global market for all microsphere glue type post-it products. To call anything, to call it anything but a monumental success would be a monumental understatement. After 28 years with the company, Dr. Silver, co-founder of Post-it Notes, retired with more than 22 U.S. patents to his name and both he and Fry, as you can imagine, were celebrated within 3M with honors galore. Okay, interesting story, but as an executive in financial services and banking, maybe you're in you know, construction or healthcare or retail, what, what, what does this have to do with me? Here's what these key elements of the story, right? That a success was born out of failure. Remember, he wasn't trying to create weak groups. And it was recognized as having a value unrelated to the original purpose. So, recap. Silver was trying to invent strong glue. The microsphere glue was not strong glue. 
His boss could have said, hey, stop screwing around with that failed glue. We need strong glue. Maybe his failure would have led to his employment being terminated. Hey, you failed. You, you didn't create the strong glue we wanted. Now, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that if that happened, is it possible? Is it possible that 3M would never actually have created Post-it notes? Now, since he came up with 22 patents, I'm guessing that Dr. Silver did ultimately create a strong glue or two for, for 3M, but he didn't give up on his, quote, failure. While he himself had no clue as to the commercial usage, he did do something really important. He advocated his idea. He circulated amongst his colleagues, talking up the idea of this microsphere glue. Persistently, he tried to get someone, anyone, to look at it as something that could be commercially viable over and over and over and over again with no success. All right, now let's take a look at Fry. He finds a need. He needs paper not to fall out of his hymnals. He remembers Silver going on and on about the microsphere glue. Eureka! Now suppose Silver had never advocated for the failed glue. Maybe Fry never hears about it, never circles back six years later and asks about, you know, that glue. <laughs> there was no industry need for weak glue that would be attached to note paper. It was Fry's need that generated the impetus for Fry to connect with silver. The combination of the serendipitous invention of silver and the connection of the unmet need to that invention by Fry that creates this success beyond anybody's expectation. So here's my question to you. How willing are you to allow your staff to experience a failure? Are you rewarding failure? Now, I'm talking about failure in innovation, like exploring a new media, social media uh, uh, platform and it goes bust, whatever, uh, as opposed to an error in execution. Say in my business, the teller just can't keep their drawer bound. So the failure I'm talking about is failure when we're trying to innovate. Now, there are many, many changes underway in the banking industry. We're, we are going to have to get innovative to face those challenges in the coming years not the least of which is changing customer demographics. Our customers need to be younger and younger, but in fact, they're getting older and older. How our future customers look at services like checking accounts uh, and the models for how they're consumed and priced, you know, monthly service charges and such, that's gonna have to change. You only need to look at the current attack on overdraft fees to see how this dynamic is playing out in real time. And again, Okay, I'm giving you a banking example, but it's not hard for you to see exactly the same kind of parallel if you're a funeral home director or if you run, uh, you know, a, a local YMCA. Whatever your business is, you're facing those same changes in demographic and expectation. So, how are you innovating? How are you encouraging employees across the entire enterprise to think of and articulate ideas, even? crazy ones, even failed ones. Are you encouraging your equivalent of Dr. Silver's across your whole organization? More importantly, how are you allowing ideas to be shared across the enterprise? Do you have an open forum for those with ideas to advocate for their ideas without any recrimination? Now, you may think that allowing crazy ideas to be floated across through all of your employees is dangerous. My take is, is it's essential. You are not going to act on a truly crazy idea. But the crazy idea, if 
it's allowed to be advocated might trigger somebody from a completely different part of the organization to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if I would do that, but I know how I could use that idea in some other way. It's, it's the equivalent of Art Fry in the hymnal. Until you foster an open marketplace of ideas, you literally could have the golden goose ideas just languishing and market opportunities going unfulfilled due to the lack of a solution for that innovation. Fostering Dr. Silver and Art Fry attitudes across your organization is essential to getting all ideas on the table and circulated. And you also must have patience. Your eureka moment might be years down the road. Remember, it was six years after the original failed glue before Fry goes and asks Dr. Silver about it. Persist. Consistently but professionally push your people to come up with ideas, and eventually something will pop that allows you to dramatically innovate in how you provide your services. Now, the innovation attitude that I'm advocating is not natural for our banking industry, and it might be true of yours as well. But I believe that in the next five to eight years, certainly no more than 12, it is essentially, it is crucial for financial institutions to pivot and become a valued and trusted partner for younger customers, the customers of the future. Pretty sure that's going to be true of your industry as well. So I welcome your comments and questions about how we're working on services and solutions to assist uh, financial institutions in doing just that. I appreciate all of you taking the time to think about how you can allow failure to spur innovation in your organization. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.